Your class is magic user? What does that even mean? That doesn't make any sense. Every character uses magic. The fighter uses a magic sword. Does that make him a magic user? What? Say that again? The fighter is now insisting on being called Fighting Man? Can we just go back to playing the All Bard campaign? Hello and welcome back to the Grognards. My name's Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly, And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today we're going to take it on a magical mystery tour. Is that correct? Is I that... knew you were going to go there. <laughs> okay, I'm predictable. I'm predictable. <laughs> yes, today on the Grognards we are going to be talking all about those magic users or people who played 5th edition wizards wizards that was wizards. a good movie that wizards movie yes yeah. it was i think yeah. we've brought that up before we have <laughs> so, so um it. who's our dm for this session <laughs> and don't everybody raise a hand <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's probably my favorite class i, I was gonna say i think Truthfully. it'll be eric's so okay all right maybe, maybe i should take this one okay so uh you have the dice and the table is yours where are we going with this well Interestingly enough, I didn't realize it was my favorite class till we started prepping for this podcast, and I <laughs> sort of realized that the majority of my characters, especially lately, have at least a couple levels in Wizard. Um, but we'll talk about those down the road. Let's talk about where Wizards came from. Yeah, and it's a little weird. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that this is your favorite class, or discovering it's your favorite class. It is not my favorite class, but my favorite character from time gone by is a Wizard. Yeah, see, and I've kind of avoided playing a wizard because there's a lot of rules. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of choices. And I think we're going to get into that a lot. So My very first D&D character was a wizard. Now, his name was Strider, so don't judge me. <laughs> I was 11. Okay. I, I, and he okay. actually killed my second D&D character <laughs> inadvertently. How did that happen? I was going to say, how did you... We... So... When we started playing, we played one-on-one -on -one because we didn't really have a group. My friend came back from summer camp with, with the rules. Lo and he sort of made up. You Lonely made nerd kids. One-on-one, -on -one, meaning your character a, fights my character? No, a DM you, you couldn't and fight. one player. But since okay. we only had one player, we would play two characters. We were 11. Uh, Again, okay. Let's take this and you in know context. What? That's okay. And we didn't know any of the rules, really. And you uh, got into a disagreement with yourself. So my <laughs> halfling fighter named Zarek, another great name. My wow. name with a Z at the front of it. Went unconscious, and to, and my wizard was really weak, so I cast uh, Tensor's Floating Disc to carry my halfling fighter out of the dungeon. Well, unbeknownst to me, because I was brand new, I didn't know there was uh, spell durations. So the DM says, okay, well, halfway back to town, your Tensor's Floating Disc ends, your halfling falls to the ground, takes one more point of damage, he's and, now dead. Oh. That DM sucked. Yeah, well, he yeah. should have let that slide. But that's sort of how AD&D was. It was pretty brutal. There, yes, it was. You, you, know? you feel the disc starting to fail, then you get one round of die no, to the ground. No, yeah. just wore out. Yeah. Yep, done. Boop. <laughs> yeah, so, I, and of course, he wasn't really a wizard, though. He was a magic user. Oh, that yeah. is right. Yes, the classes of first edition had those wonderful, wonderful names, and... I think you've got your book with you, and yeah. that's one of the great things about First Edition. It had all these wonderful level names. As you leveled up, you got a new, I don't know what you call it, a new title. rank, a new title. Yeah, a new class title. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so let me find I think we're, we're jumping ahead of the original wizard, though, right, from the box set? 
Was it a magic user in the box set? It was set? a magic user in the oh, box set. And like apparently the they avoided the name wizard because it had like a negative connotation. I mm-hmm. mean, we had the we already had the uh, scare in the 80s, the, the occult scare. So well, we're back in the 70s here, though. So. Yeah, we are. But they knew that. I mean, they didn't want to call things wizards and warlocks because those had really negative connotations back then. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so they decided to stick with a generic magic user. And I think it came also from the uh, um, chainmail rules that basically they had magic users to add into the miniature game that did a limited number of magic spells. Yeah, that yeah. and the then game. they eventually added clerics to that as well. Right. So originally it was just one class that could cast spells. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, maybe they not weren't not using those terms for their negative connotations, but just for their sort of pigeonholing connotations. You know, wizard, you're just a spellcaster as opposed to a warlock. You know, they, they all have baggage that isn't mm-hmm. negative attached to them. And throwing magic user out there, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, so, I mean, from the chainmail perspective, magic user makes sense. It's the, the mini that uses magic to <laughs> right. influence things. Yes. Um, so the other interesting thing about first edition was, and we talk about Vancey and magic a lot, if you ever sort of read it, any of the history um, and that refers to Jack Vance in the right. Dying Earth series of books. Oh, I've seen those. And it's sort of crazy when we think about how much this one author shaped Dungeons & Dragons. Because I can't think of any other book that uses that system for magic. I mean, and, and the system we're talking about is a wizard will study a spell, it'll be in his memory, and then it goes away once he casts it. And he can only hold so many spells in his mind at once. And that, that is pretty much a creation of Jack Vance? That, that, yeah, that's how he, he runs magic in his well, world. That sounds like me in an everyday occurrence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was me in college, yeah. <laughs> but Stu- study, any other, test, any other fantasy series, <laughs> Any other fantasy series, Gandalf doesn't have to do that. Nope. Elric does not do that. No. Uh, the Grey Mouser does not do that. No. I, none Grey of, Mouser, God, what a great character. Yeah. Yeah, what a great character. Fritz Lieber and the uh, the Fafford and the Grey Mouser series. Oh. Yeah, that is one mm. of the foundational books. And he was actually um, still active during the era of D&D, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yes. Nice. Yeah, but from a game mechanics standpoint, though, having a guy who can just stand around and sling spells all day is a little was a little frightening to their chainmail sensibilities, I'm sure. And so that's maybe that seemed like a good way to, to rein it in. I, I don't know. I mean, he, you've got a good point, Greg. I think uh, that does make some sense if you think about it. The people who play those miniature type games, uh, it's kind of a game breaker for them in some ways. Cause and and, and they're, they're always looking for a hard mechanic for things because that's mini gaming is about mechanics. That's right. Well, yeah. the, the original wizard had a very specific niche, and it was artillery and information gathering. So, from a artillery perspective, I mean, you had catapults in your tabletop games that could launch our, you know, flaming balls of pitch, mm-hmm. but they could only do it every three rounds or something. So yeah. it is similar to that, but the information gathering component is um, huge for uh, if you're playing like a fog of war scenario where you don't know where the enemy is or you want to des- uh, deceive the enemy. That's a, that's a new aspect that I think makes war gaming much more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so first edition, um, we've got wizards. And my beloved first edition, I just love the fact that they, they're racist as all get out. <laughs> yeah. Well, fantasy novels are yeah. very racist. I mean, you could only be a human. 
an elf or a half elf. Yeah, that's it. To be a magic user. Yep. And I thought that was great. And that's where my first wizard or magic user came from. And he was, as I said, my favorite character from days gone by. But the wizard class has not been my favorite. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the same reason as Greg has. Too many rules, too many things to think about. Um, I think that kind of catches a lot of people mm-hmm. for that reason. Well, and, and some people, I think, in the fantasy gaming and you know genre, you're in it because it's fun to hit things with swords or it's fun to throw spells. And yeah. you're in one of those camps, and so you lean towards the magic characters or the melee characters. And what? I was always what? leaning towards the melee characters. I, d- I did have an elf wizard back in the day, back in those Palladium days, but didn't use him much. Wasn't nearly as much fun as my thief that was going around just killing people left and right. right. And <laughs> your wizard was extreme. I mean, he was basically a piece of chocolate in a hot room. Yeah. So, <laughs> so first edition armor classes started at 10. That was no armor. Right. That's where wizards started because yes. they couldn't wear armor. Couldn't wear armor. They might have a dex bonus that right. might get you down the six with an eighteen dex, but mm-hmm. you definitely didn't have an eighteen dex because unless if you, you had an eighteen, you put it in intelligence. Right, yeah. exactly. Or you got very, very lucky on your dice rolls, or somehow you the DM allowed you to fudge it. But uh, yeah, and uh, and the other aspects that uh, people who didn't play first edition are always surprised here. You had one spell. Yes, at first and level, that was it. You got one spell. You had to cast the spell you prepared. Pick a good one. Uh, yeah. Didn't you get some extras depending on your intelligence level? Um, I know clerics got. I think extras. that may be the case that you got extra spells if your intelligence was above, I think a twelve. I could be wrong, but we're checking that right now. The other big thing about that was you had. No, you got extra languages. Extra, really? Oh, that's useful. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, you also got that whopping one d four. Yeah, so what intelligence gave you was points. the ability to know more spells at each level and to learn new spells. It didn't give you any extra prepared right. spells. Right, it allowed you to shoot Clerics, or it allowed cast you to one spell. have an extra prepared spell. Yeah, that's right. Nice. So, yeah, there you've got, you know, you've got a maximum maybe of six armor class. You might have upwards of I mean, six if, hit points. Yeah, if you had an 18 constitution, yeah. you could... And you've got that one magic missile spell, probably. And a <laughs> dagger or a dart or a quarterstaff. Yeah, so... Deadly weapons. They were, And that's why, Greg, yeah. much like you said, you kind of lean towards the melee. My magic user, he was pretty buff. He was there to be able to at least take a few hits. And when his one spell, boom, went, he drew that quarterstaff and he was able to do some damage. Yeah, and you know, in in prepping for this as well, I always laugh at how convoluted uh, first edition D and D was. So, you know, wizards are are tougher to play now. Anytime a new character starts, you never say, "Hey, you should play a wizard to start." It's always always you should play a fighter or a yeah, barbarian, something easy. But I was wondering if because we're talking about armor classes, whether there was a mage armor spell in first edition. I didn't recall there was. There wasn't. Um, they did have a shield spell at first level, and. I did not remember any of these details about S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's sort of like the typical first edition uh, rule. So it only protects the front, and it totally negates magic missiles. So that hasn't changed. It is a S.H.I.E.L.D. It is a S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. But then it gives you an armor class of two, which is good. Two is a plate mail and S.H.I.E.L.D. normally, Mm -hmm. against hand-hurled missiles, so axes, darts, javelins, or spears, 
Three against small device-propelled missiles like arrows, bolts, bullets, manticore spikes, or sling stones. Bullets and, and manticore against, spikes? Yeah. And four against all other forms of attack. And then it also gives you a plus one to your saving throws if it affects it from the front. So, you know, three different armor classes depending on how you're being attacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, at least that wasn't hard to keep track of. Yeah, well, you only had one spell, and you usually didn't prep shield because that's a defensive spell, and, and your party's expecting you to do something besides help. protect yourself. Now, at the same time, do you recall, I played a lot of the modules that were um, pre-prepared and published. Almost in every room, or within the first three encounters, there would be scrolls. Yeah, and you could cast off scrolls. And you could cast off the scrolls. So your magic user was, like, searching feverishly for scrolls. Ooh, a scroll. Let me have it. You know, because, well, if not, his job is done after the first yeah. time. And that was single use? Yeah, yes. single use yeah. and disappeared. We had an interesting house rule when we played, which was you could cast a spell out of your spell book as if it was a scroll, but the spell would oh. then go away. You know, we had something similar to that, too. That's crazy. And, wow. and then you'd have to find the spell again and transcribe it again. I do believe that we did something where if you had a scroll, you could write it down in your spell book and then use it yes. repeatedly. Yeah. And yep. was that, you could transcribe okay. a scroll you into your spell book. Right. That makes sense. Most of the yeah. time as a wizard. I, man, I am... Wanting to play more and more first edition. You know what? The convention coming up that I'm going to, I signed up for a first edition game because after yeah, doing this I, podcast, I'm sort of missing it. I think I'm going to be signing up for some uh, 1E edition, uh, 1E uh, games at Gary Con. Yeah. So. so the other dynamic that um, happened and we've gradually gotten away from is this not everybody needs to be of equal power all the time. So first edition wizards, incredibly weak. Center I mean, of the party. Yeah, That's I your mean, spot. If somebody did not protect them, they would be dead. I can't tell you that I can't even I can't recall any times when I play Adventures League, which is a little different because it's generally pick up groups at conventions. You don't know each other most of the time. Yeah. But if a monster attacks a wizard, everybody just sort of ignores it. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's a good point. You yeah, know, the wizard. Like, oh, the wizard could handle it. Yeah, they got shield, they got mage armor, they you know, they'll do something to protect themselves. Mm. But in first edition, like... Everybody's throwing themselves in the way. No! I mean, fighters would (laughs) interpose themselves between the monsters and the wizard because they knew if the wizard fell, like, things were going to get bad because there's area of effect, pretty much only wizards. I will admit that a small part of me still has it ingrained into my uh, DMing DNA that as a DM, I kind of tend to pull punches on the wizards at early levels. And I think that stems from first edition i i just killed a wizard uh, about yeah. a month ago in adventures league because <laughs> his party didn't help him he dropped the zero hit points he was making death saving throws failed the first one two people what kind st- of a party Wait, doesn't help with this This was adventures league yeah two guys did. stood in front of him and there was an enemy with a burning hand spell and i wasn't targeting the wizard but the wizard was in the area of effect because it's 15 foot cone two automatic fails on death saves dead Wow. Wow, bam. Yeah. First level. They could have got him up. He actually had yeah. made one and failed one, so he had been down for two rounds already. Nobody's yeah. going to resurrect some AL character they just met. <laughs> nah, he was yeah. first level. They got no. guilt, faction charity oh. or whatever they call it. Okay. So, yeah. you know, he, he he wasn't too upset about it. It was low level. It would have been built different if he would have been 10th or 11th probably. Yeah. yeah. And then we also have to uh, remark upon the little-known and very short-lived illusionist. 
Yeah, so uh, the illusionist was the subclass of wizard, and that's when the gnomes um, were the preferred race for illusionists. And I still think of gnomes as the preferred race for illusionists. Mm-hmm. I don't care what, what Wizards of the Coast says. Um, not, not a tinker? No, no. <laughs> An illusionist, a trickster type of guy. Yeah, and they had right. different spell lists, different experience tables. And, uh, you know, at first edition, you had a maximum hit dice you could get, like a maximum level um, for hit dice. And in Wizards, it was, or Magic Users, it was 11, and Illusionist was 10 for just some random reason because first edition. And you can you can check here very quickly because you've got the original book. Um, wasn't the first level or any level for a Magic User harder to get to? Than it would be. Yeah, for they like had a one of the one of the worst experience points tables. I think it's like twenty five hundred. I think it was twenty five hundred. Yeah, to think. get the first level, and a fighter was like what, maybe two thousand or fifteen hundred. Um, well, the rogues had the best. Rogue was fifteen hundred, if I remember correctly. Let me see here. Yeah, uh, but it, I know that it took a long time. Twelve fifty for for thieves. That's uh, right. It wasn't rogues. It was thieves. Thieves. Yes. It was um, thieves. Magic users for first level was twenty five hundred, so double what a yeah. thief needed to. That just seems so wrong to me. But you know, there it's it has a, a valid reason. That's a more difficult now. The illusions was a little easier. They only needed twenty two fifty yeah. to go up. So I guess now thinking back on it, I did manage to keep my uh, original wizard. He managed before I stopped playing sixteenth level. We played constantly. <laughs> I mean, literally constantly. And he was the one guy that I always brought into it because finally, once he got up to the point where he could start casting real spells. Everybody was looking for him to, like, okay, blow yep. them guys up, and then we'll clean up the mess. Yep, yep, nothing more handy than having a wizard around to yeah. uh, so. get those long shots and clean yeah. things up. Um, so that was first level, you know. Um, I almost wish they'd go back to having different power dynamics as characters leveled, but I, I think I, that's long gone. Yeah, I think that's. Mm-hmm. I think in today's society of, you know, everything for everybody, yeah. you're not going to get that in D&D anymore. Need, so, that, need that participation spell. Yeah. <laughs> so second edition, now we got rid of the magic user, and we turned into a mage, which is sort of a, a neutral term. Didn't have a negative connotation, didn't have a positive connotation. Um, they rolled illusionist into mage, but then they added specialist wizards. Um, they've always had those schools of, of wizardry, so alteration, illusion, enchantment, divination, conjuration, invocation, necromancy, and abjuration. And, and you know what? Every one of us who had no idea what those words were, we went and looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> one of the great it was things. good for vocabularies. One of the great was. things for D&D, uh, from D&D, was vocabulary. And you know what I'm still learning? Like, as a DM, somebody will be like, I detect magic. What kind of magic is on the door? And I'm still, like, I'm getting a little better at knowing without having to look up what the spell is in the player's handbook. But it still sometimes so, throws me Which school it goes into. So, yeah. 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 So there's some divination magic on that door. Well, I will have to admit, I played absolutely no wizards in second edition. Yeah, second edition is when we got the, the bloat. So not only did they add specialization, and, and the way that worked was you got more powerful in your school but you were forbidden from casting from the school opposite. So they had like this little three-by-three chart with nothing in the middle. And whatever was diametrically opposed, you could not cast from there, which wasn't too bad sometimes. And were there spells that crossed over in between? I mean, with Zari's spell list, 
where the spells crossed over from one school to the other, or did each school have its no. own spells? No, no, you still pulled off the general list. mage list, ah, but you, just you couldn't, couldn't cast. So if you were yeah. a necromancer, you could not cast any illusions. Okay. For, you Unless know. there was some kind of necromantic illusion spell, which Well, there there's not. It's every yeah. spell is yeah. a single that would be a break category, yeah. So. Um, okay. so I think it was an attempt to try to make them a little more powerful early on. Um, but then, you know, second edition was around for quite a while, and they came out with that, uh, those handbooks, those class handbooks, and they had to complete Wizards yeah. Handbook. The, right? the, the brown ones? Yeah, the, the brown, brown ones. Yeah. And that added all kinds of stuff, new spells, careers, and their kits. So no longer were you a generic mage. You could be an Amazon sorceress or a witch or any of a numero, numerous varieties of, of spellcaster. And yeah. I think this was the beginning of, uh, as Greg said earlier, the complication of wizards and why some people don't like to pick up wizards because they started adding in a lot of stuff in second you edition. Got a lot of choices. Yeah. No internet to help you choose. <laughs> yeah. The change from first to second was sort of weird because there was a lot of oddities, like that wizards could only be humans, elves, and half-elves. They didn't get rid of that, as far as I remember. Oh, I don't, that, that stuck I, with second edition? Yeah, stuck, actually, yeah. I was wondering about they, that a minute ago. They made yes, these changes did. that sort of added, but they didn't clean up the, the areas that were a little little messier. Sketchy. Um, it wasn't a true sort of revision. It was just like, hey, we want an excuse to add on and make a lot more money, I think. And Well, yeah, because somebody's getting paid to write all those, uh, yeah, all those different spell classes, all those wizard classes. Edition. So uh, that's more book. That's more pages. That's more money. Bingo. But, you know, it is a business. Follow the money. Yeah, I mean, TSR was a publisher. And we did it happily. Yeah. We we gave our money away very happily for that. Yeah. So then we finally get to third edition. That was a major revision of D&D. Yes. They pretty much rewrote the whole system. And it made it, it, I have to say, it confused me. (laughs) It did. Um, I wanted to run a wizard, and I was like, holy cow, and I just, I kind of got intimidated by it. I think maybe I got a little lazy, or I was still pining for the days of first edition and, you know, when things were a little bit easier, but maybe just made, hoping that it was going to be made a little bit more powerful. But instead, it just got more complicated. Yeah, third edition, 3 and 3.5, I mean, they sort of go together. They got very rules heavy. Yes. Um, and the people who play Pathfinder, you know, that's the kind of player that's attracted to that. They want all different kinds of options, all different ways. I'm playing a Pathfinder game online, and truthfully, I haven't even made an attempt to to figure out what I need to do when I level. I just let the, the game master um, <laughs> update do it for my you. character sheet. I got, I got so you're literally playing his character. Yeah, I, I tell him what I want, you know, and he goes, okay, well, here you go. And I, I'm a cleric, so I can pick my spells every day. That hasn't okay. changed. Oh, yeah, nice. You know, but in terms of all the, the numbers and... Because they have a weird thing where you have to have proficiency with a uh, skill, but then you get so many skill points per level. But if you put them in a non-proficient skill, you only get half of a skill point. And it's just what the it's craziness. Yeah, yeah and I'm not even sure no. that's how it's done. But I just there's all kinds of weird stuff around that. Yikes! And well, then also you have to take feats if you want to attack a certain way, and I, I don't know. It's it's very very three point five e, but. Third edition. So they finally become wizards. Yes. And they get rid of their racial tendencies. Yep. Yes. So they, <laughs> or they, racist tendencies. They keep the good old uh, gnomes. In, in first 
the the at 3.0 they kept the gnomes as the illusionists. It's 3.5 where the gnomes became bards. Yes. I don't know how that occurs. Who wants to listen to a gnome saying really? I yeah. don't. At least in my mind, what I think of as a gnome and the way they talk, the way they act, that would be more of like a stand-up comedian rather than a bard. <laughs> At least in my opinion. Nails just, on a chalkboard. I always just envision them with big noses. Mm-hmm. They actually describe them that way in the player's handbook. Yeah, yes. and yeah, the artwork, that yeah. early artwork, they had like huge noses. Yeah, they were like uh, uh, yeah, almost a... A drunk-looking nose. It was all red and puffy. Yeah, and everything like yeah it was that. like half the size of their head in some yes. of the pictures. Like it was you just topple massive. over forward if that like, was what real. What would be the evolutionary advantage of having a nose that large? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, uh, three point five and three. I did play a wizard. I didn't stay with it for very long. I think I maybe got to fourth or fifth level with it. So yeah. I never really got to experience wizardry in three point five. Yeah, it actually does say here, by the way, to, to jump back to that. Um, uh, gnomes have broad smiles beneath their prodigious noses. They they felt the need, and the very first that's second paragraph. That's 5e, right? Yeah, that's, that's from 5e. So that's that's carried up to the present. I mean, so oh, they say broad and, and Greg is holding, like, three pages <laughs> yeah. out of his player's handbook. My, my sad, destroyed because, handbook. I'm, but when they say broad noses in... prodigious. No, prodigious. broad that, smile prodigious nose. Okay, but in third edition, it was like bulbous. <laughs> it was like, you know, take your fist and stick it in front w. of your C. nose. W.C. Fields, secretly it. a tall gnome. There you go. Yeah, W.C. Fields. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. That was a grognardy comment if there ever was one. <laughs> Jesus. So, okay, so now we've got uh, 3.5 and I, I'm kind of almost reluctant. To move on. Well, the other thing about 3.5, I think that's where the creep started with every character should be self-sufficient. Okay. I think that's where they were like, okay, a wizard needs to be able to sort of do a lot more and fill a lot more roles than he can, he can earlier He feed and editions. dress himself without having to have somebody help him. Yeah, yeah. That, that started the, the creep towards that, like everybody can do everything. A human or a household cat couldn't kill it, in other words. Yeah, a house cat. Yeah, cats are nasty. cats are mean, and rats too. Those those rats could be mean. Yeah, I have a problem. I was with squirrels. recently <laughs> reading up on that that you know your ordinary human, even in three point five, could be killed by a cat in short order. Oh yeah, because they had like what one one d six hit points, I think. Yeah, and yeah. a cat does two attacks and does like what one to three points of damage. Yeah, yeah, they, it was pretty nasty. Well, cats scratch fever, so yeah. it'll get you. Yeah, wow. it'll get you. It'll get you. <laughs> so fourth edition. Uh. This is where wizards take a, a left turn. Well, the whole the whole damn fourth, fourth thing. edition is a left turn. <laughs> so it's a fork till, in the road. It went off the now, road. Wizards primarily were artillery, and in D and D terms, that means area of effect spells. Now, in all fairness, clerics could get some too, but they did not have near the versatility of wizards. And information gathering, they could glean information they could use you know spells to look on the other side of a door they could send a magic eyeball down the dungeon hallway you know they they could look through their familiar's eyes um that kind of stuff so so they filled those two roles they they weren't good at combat they weren't good at anything else all of a sudden we sort of took an mmo turn in fourth edition where you know you had these computer games that were popular by that time and all of a sudden, wizards, not only did they become area of effect, but they um, became debuffers and control 
became a big aspect. So controlling the battlefield. You never really saw that in earlier editions. Uh, clerics had hold person. They had silence. So clerics were more the control role. Um, wizards had sleep. That, that was sort of handy and charm person they could throw. But in fourth edition, they went full MMO, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's always the impression I've got about uh, about four is brought in the cards and it brought in the online games. And I think that was the whole reason behind fourth edition was to appeal to the video gamers who were stepping away from the tabletop and basically yeah. being led by the nose through these video games. And that, that's a that was a legit concern. And I, I, I don't uh, I don't disagree with that. I just. Yeah don't like the results. Which is sort of ironic because I think now the people who are coming from video games to D&D are coming yeah. because they want a different experience yeah. than the video games. Right. It's kind of nice that it swung the other way finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in our favor. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing that 4th edition did was they added a boatload of wizard classes. They had arcanists, blade singers, mage... Sha'ir, witches, artificers, sword mages, sorcerers, and warlocks. So, uh, you know, sorcerers and warlocks started in 4th edition. I didn't actually realize that until we were oh, researching really? I did this. not know that, especially yeah. with the warlock. Um, I knew warlocks were fairly recent. I didn't yeah. know they were yeah. around in 4th edition. Hmm. Now, so these are the different classes that you just mentioned, all these cool names and stuff. Can we go back just a bit? If you'll pull out your original 1st edition. Oh, yeah, the The, the names or the titles of a magic user as you progress from 1st. Let's go from 1st to 10th level and see what you get. Okay. Because, so. you know, 4th level, you just named off... Arcanist, Blade Singer, Mage, yeah. Shair, and these, Witch. These and titles, like I always refer back to these because they're so interesting. Okay, so here we are. This is we're we're step, stepping back a little bit. This is first edition magic user rank or level titles in order level from, titles. from one to eleven because that's okay. where they sort of stop. Uh Prestidigitator, Evoker, Conjurer, Thurgist, Thaumaturgist, Magician, Enchanter, Warlock, and Sorcerer. So the and then they become a wizard at 11, and then they just add their levels to right. the end of their wizard title. But the first bunch of them, except maybe for Magician, are actually schools of magic. And good vocabulary builders. Yes, mm-hmm. and good vocabulary. And then the last one we have the—well, Necromancer is a um, school. But Warlock and Sorcerer became character classes in their own right. Right. Illusionists are also sort of interesting. Uh, Prestidigitator, Minor Trickster, Trickster— Major master trickster, they got, got stuck there. <laughs> Cabalist or cabalist? Cabalist, I believe. I, don't I, know, I, think I always said cabalist. I was, cabalist? Yeah. Okay. Visionist, phantasmist, <laughs> apparitionist, like that spellbinder, and illusionist. Yeah, good old first edition. Those are fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those are still cool cool titles to tack on to the end of a character's name, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. So we do have a little bit of first edition in fifth edition. Yeah. As you said. So 5th edition came in. They split off Sorcerer and Warlock. Um, we'll do some podcasts about them as well. Truthfully, I'm not really a fan. I, I do play a Sorcerer. I do, too. Um, I do, too. I've never played a Warlock. They just don't appeal to me. I'm a Warlock in one adventure, but we have not gone very far, so I haven't had much experience at this point. Yeah, I don't know. As a min-maxer, yeah. I always just like... <laughs> To have the ability to cast any spell. I don't like to limit myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. Greg has That's played the, with me way, yeah. too, way too much. <laughs> Just enough to know that, yeah, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what makes 5th edition Wizards so good? So 
So good. One of the things they add in 5th edition, ritual casting. And that's the ability to cast a spell without using a spell slot. Um, but it takes a while. But it takes 10 extra minutes in 5th in, in right. edition, right? Mm-hmm. Plus the normal casting time. Why that wasn't a thing sooner is beyond me. Like, that makes so much sense because back in the day, you never prepared certain spells because they weren't worth the spell slot. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it was mostly those spells that turned into ritual spells in 5th edition. You know, detect magic is great, but do you want to burn a first level spell slot for it? No. You know, especially in early D&D, probably not. Like, a lot of the detect magics were because you got an item that detected magic, um, and that's how you cast it. So uh, they, they added that ritual, ritual casting. There's a little bit of ability to recover spell slots. Um, they also gave each individual school of wizardry their own unique abilities. And that sort of took the place of those um, weird subclasses in fourth edition. Yeah. Um, it sort of pulled it back a little bit rather than full-blown um, separate classes. You know, all wizards share a core set of abilities that then they add on to based on what school they they cast from. And the schools are abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, and, uh, well, necromancy, transmutation, blade singing, and war magic. Now, blade singing and war, war magic, magic are from what? Uh, uh, war magic not is from core. Xanathar's, and blade yeah. singing's from uh, Sword, Sword Coast, Coast Adventures. Okay, guy. right, because those are not in the core player's no. handbook. No, Which is kind of cool. They're pretty new. Because as our assignment for this podcast, we were to make up a wizard, and I had no option. I really didn't have the time, to be honest with you. So I went back to my original first edition and kind of tried to update him to the best of my memory and ability. And... War magic was right where I wanted it to be. I have a character with two levels of war mage. Yeah. It, it looked pretty cool. I, I didn't go there, but uh, yeah. Because my, my cool. character was a just a mean son of a gun. Yeah. And war magic. You know why I that. took war mage? Why? Because you get to add your intelligence yes. to your initiative. So yeah. the character I put it on oh, nice. has a whip of warning. I missed that one. And uh, had been of intellect. So he has a 19 intelligence. He has a high dex because he's a rogue. I have a plus 15 initiative and advantage on initiative rolls, so I basically go first every time. <laughs> that's, that's his only thing. He just goes first all the time. Otherwise, But he's, if he's got something he can do, he can do yeah, it first. That's nice right. thing to have. It, it, is, it is fun. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I, he's a swashbuckler, so he probably would have made more sense to go assassin so he could get that, that auto crit um, yeah. since he is going first. But. So I, I, because I now know about it, and, and I have known about it for a while, war magic is kind of my favorite school what's your favorite school um greg he doesn't know apparently eric doesn't know greg what about you well you know i don't have one because the the (laughs) the one that i the wizard that i made up for this podcast is my first wizard Um, congratulations yeah thank you thank you thank you i was not very creative wizard it is it kind of is um the you know what the blade singing that sounded like something i wanted to get i could see greg playing a blade so but um I didn't. I, I started out with the character, 
and then worked into, I did the background before I decided where I wanted to end up, and Blade sing, singing just didn't fit where I was going, so I didn't. Well, let's now, we'll cover now, those so, at the end. Let's back but, up a uh, little bit. Okay. But, talk but about that, that sounds super appealing. Wizards. So one of their abilities at 18th level, they get mastery over certain spells. You get to choose a first level spell and a second level spell, and you can cast them at will without expending a spell slot. That's pretty cool. What spells would you guys pick? A first say, level? Uh, say that again second, now. You get a first level spell and a second level spell. You have to be 18th level. They said to, to cast it at will. you can so. cast it at will without expending a spell slot. So I know right away what my first level spell is. Well, there's one of two. What would it be? Um, either shield or magic missile. I was going to go with magic missile. Magic missile, I think though, most you're 18th people would level. go magic missile. You're yeah. casting at the lowest spell slot, so you're still only get three three missiles. It's, All day, every day, into you know. Yeah, but at 18th level, asleep. you're gonna you have a lot yeah. of spell slots. I think shield is is gonna be my go-to because anytime you get attacked, plus five to hit immunity or plus five to your armor class immunity to magic yeah, missiles. It's true. Now, granted, at high levels, armor class starts to not matter as much. So you would rather have the shield than the mage armor? I have not compared and contrasted the two. Well, here's the other thing: is that um, if you're an abjuration wizard. You get that little mystical shield, which we haven't talked about yet, but it's like a, a shield in front of you that absorbs shots, mm-hmm. and that recharges and... anytime you cast an abjuration spell. And shield is an abjuration spell, oh, but you might have to use a spell slot though for that to recharge. I'd have to look up the rules on that, but that could that could like work work to your advantage. Yeah, just keep continually replenishing itself. So yeah. Hmm. But second level, that's a harder one. That, I'm not sure. That would be, this would be a hard choice. There's a lot of good spells here. Um, no. Well, let's not bore our listening audience. So you <laughs> yeah, can basically not. always have a maximized arcane ward on yourself. Yeah, so just yes. pick that invisibility that you can just disappear anytime you want. And yeah. I, I have a character not a bad idea. going to yeah. eventually have that yeah, ability. Second level, that would be a good one. Yeah. So uh, we've been talking about all the different levels and all the different types of wizards. Hold and on, such. I got my second level one. Okay, what is it? <laughs> invisibility. Hey, well, good idea. Everybody's Greg invisible. Just said well, that. I'm always invisible. Everybody's <laughs> invisible. One, because concentration. But Greg just said that. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, I, well, I don't yes, I did. Because you uh, were no, reading. He doesn't pay attention. I was. To me. Yes. I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the games. Yeah, pretty much. Until <laughs> he wants to attack. Oh, me. hi, Greg. Then, You're oh, here today. I've been okay, here for an hour. I've got a horde of wolves here. Oh, oh hey, there's Greg. What do you know? Uh, no squirrels. Squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> not in your game. That, that's no. AL. Yeah. Give me time. Uh, um, so, so why don't we Titanic talk about squirrels. the squirrels? Uh, go through them and talk because hopefully people are listening to this to try to learn something about wizards. So okay. we should we should yeah. provide some information. Right. Go for it. So, it's your game. Abjuration. This is one of my favorites. This is one of my two favorites. That's why I had a hard time answering your question, Dean. I really have two favorites. So abjuration, the main ability, you get an arcane ward. That's like a mystical energy that absorbs hit points, like a shield. It's two times your wizard level plus your intelligence modifier. So you start with a plus three at first level. That's five hit points at first level that's going to absorb, which is pretty decent at first level. Um, As you go up higher, you get a projected ward, which means you can... Put it in front of somebody else and absorb damage oh, for nice. them. Um, that would be nice. You get uh, improved abjuration, so you get to add your proficiency bonus to ability checks for abjuration spells. And then at the highest level, 14th, you get resistance uh, advantage on saving throws for spells So, uh, and resistance to damage. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And for certain builds, it's pretty awesome. 
Conjuration is the next one. I, that could be cool. It depends on the DM. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. and, and how, what direction you want to take it? So I've played a lot of tables where people will conjure creatures, and technically the DM picks the creatures because that can be incredibly overpowered. When you conjure pixies and sprites, they're very low CR, but they have the ability to like polymorph and turn invisible and stuff. Ew. It could be it could be crazy powerful. Yeah. So you got minor conjuration um, at what is this, at second level, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at sixth level, benign transposition. Yeah. You can use an action oh. to teleport thirty feet and swap with another. Yeah. Actually, I thought that sounded willing. pretty cool. I, yeah. I was looking at that. Yeah. yeah. And if you're in a regular group. And you can, like, tag team? Yeah. That would be sort of awesome. Yeah, yeah. somebody you're used to playing with, yeah, mm-hmm. so you knew what to do. Little, yeah, you can only use it once per long rest, yeah. but still. A little fastball special there with your uh, wizard. Yeah, at uh, 10th level, focus conjuration. Never break your concentration yeah. on conjuration That's spells. pretty huge. Yeah. I mean, that that is – there's a lot of spells that you can conjure creatures. Yeah, Summon and here's creatures. where I, I see where having the DM – this next one at 14th level, having the DM pick – Durable summons. Conjured creatures have 30 temporary hit points. <laughs> yeah. yeah <That's>, that... <laughs> I mean, if you're summoning CR one-half creatures that have four hit points, yeah. now they have 34. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The so. sprite that cannot be killed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then we go into divination. That's my second. Wait, you already have two second favorites. <laughs> no, it's abjuration and divination. Okay. Divination is my min-max favorite class. <laughs> And because of the Don't very you just want to slap him sometimes, Greg? Yeah, sometimes. There's yeah. nothing wrong with playing D&D that way. Everybody plays their own way. Everybody does play their own way. As long as, as, as everybody's having fun. And as long as you're playing right the game. That's right. Yeah. So they get portent, which means at the beginning of every day, you roll two D20s. And you record those results, and you can use one of those results in place of another D20 roll. Pretty much at any time, but you have to do it before the the die is rolled. Yeah, um, I most often use that when I roll. I love to roll low on that because then I'm going to cast a spell at a creature. Oh, he rolls a two for a saving throw. No, yeah, I see what you're saying. You're using that roll. Yeah, yeah. on his for save. his save. Yeah. Right. Now, when I, it's also good to roll high because when you're with that fighting that undead with that paladin who's going to burn a smite and do extra damage against undead, I go, oh, you crit. Yeah. Everything gets doubled. All of a sudden, they're rolling Boom. their whole dice bag worth of dice. <laughs> um, that's also a lot of fun to yeah. to burn out. The, the middle rolls are the worst. You roll yeah. 10s and 11s, uh, yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not that great. Very average. Um, you know, the middle ability, they regain a spell slot when they cast a divination spell. Um, they Then they get third eye. They can use an action to increase their perception. Their final capstone at 14th level is greater portent. They roll three d20s every day. Boy, that seems like a long ways away from second level to 14th level to get that. It is. And you only get an extra roll. But those two are super powerful. It is super useful. It it is arguably overpowered. There's very few abilities in 5th edition that are sort of metagame abilities. And this is clearly a metagame ability. You're saying, I'm going to replace a die roll. roll. And not a effect. Yeah, yeah, it's not an effect. It's not the creature automatically fails or this automatically succeeds. It's here's a die roll that you're replacing. You don't see a lot of that, and the reason is because it can be incredibly powerful. All right, so now we're up to enchantment. At yeah. second level, you got your hypnotic gaze. I thought about enchantment uh, when trying to recreate my character, but it just wasn't working. And I don't know. Um, 
this one's all right, but nah, it sucks. <laughs> Not really. Oh, Eric, sorry, how, 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 how do you feel? How do you feel? That's how Eric feels. Yeah. 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 So here's my problem. The with, enchantment savant. Enchantment. I love that phrase, though. And, and let me um, so pull it, out my fifth edition. Yeah. Charmed. The condition status. A charmed creature can't attack the charmer or target the charmer with harmful abilities or magical effects. The charmer has advantage on any ability checks to interact socially with the creature. How the hell is that going to help me in the middle of a fight? Well, that's a good point. They nerfed charm so hard in 5th edition, it's near useless. Hmm. Now, granted, a lot of the spells have additional constraints on them, but usually it's something like the charmed creature regards you as a close friend. Well, that doesn't mean they regard their former allies as enemies. True. So a lot of it's left up to the DM. Like, yeah, yeah if, if this guy that. says you're a close friend, well, they, yeah, they're not going to attack you, and they might not attack your enemies, but they're probably not going to attack the people you want them to attack. So, And they get to save at the end of every round in most cases. So and just best, statistically speaking, it isn't going to last long. Yeah, at best I'm taking one person out of the fight— and if I want to socially interact with them while his friends are trying to kill me with swords, I have advantage. whoop de friggin do Yeah. I'm not a fan of the, the charm. I, I kind of skated right over that one when I was uh, reading through them. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Their middle ability is pretty good. If I was going to mix and match abilities, I would take this one at, at sixth level. You can use your reaction to divert the, their attack against you to another target within range once per long rest. Um, so if you have another enemy next to you and somebody attacks you, you can be like, nope, you're attacking your buddy. That's sort of cool. Unfortunately, just once. Yeah, mm. it is limited because it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, then their next ability, you can target two creatures with an enchantment. So whoop de doo I, I get two <laughs> creatures out of the fight instead of one, who then I'm going to have to fight once they break the charm. And then alter memories unaware of being charmed. That sounds like a pedophile ability to yeah. me. <laughs> like, and, oh, it, <laughs> now I... I I have to actually step back a second. It wasn't enchantment. It was evocation. I was looking Oh, you were looking at evocation. <laughs> yes. Evocation, yeah. I like. Yeah. Uh, That's but, where I was going. But, but, but I still, uh, yeah. We're going to talk about that next. So, right. so enchantment, I don't know. So uh, it's, I guess it's, it's sort of your school dependent. of whoop-de-doo. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have a DM that's very much into being lenient with charm creatures, like wants to play charm old school, what? where this person will do what you want them to do, it it would be pretty awesome. Yeah, because when I when I started when I looked at it, I was like, oh, well, that'd be kind of cool to get other people to do what you want to do. And then I was like, I didn't read all of it really close, but I wasn't seeing anything where, you know, talk this person into attacking his friends. No, that's not happening here. Then why would I want to do this? So yeah, it's not great. You know, I just realized we haven't um, played our recording yet. Well, I uh, had a question, and I think we should go through these first because it may be at the end of this podcast okay. that we reveal this. Um, but I think we should go through these, right, yeah, and then I have a question, okay. which will lead into our uh, our, little, our little bit. So, evocation, a nice, solid choice. This is your typical adventuring choice, mm-hmm. right? Now, Dean, you said you didn't like it. No, 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 no. It was one that I was considering, okay. and then I saw uh, War Magic, and I okay. decided okay. that's <laughs> so, the one I'm going with. So, evocation is yeah. blowing stuff up. Yeah, right. yeah, that's where I was going to go, and then I saw War Magic, and I'm like, no, that fit more about what the original character that I had rolled up. Yeah, uh, I, I saw it was. as sort of an elemental magic kind of thing, you know, where you were sort of, you know, manipulating the forces of nature because I think they do they use they do not use that term, but you know, it's heat and cold and fire and lightning and yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So go through quickly what evocation yeah, so, is here. So the main thing they get is the ability to sculpt spells. 
which means when they cast like an area of effect spell, they can uh, have a certain number of creatures in that area of effect that are safe from the effects. So um, basically, you're you're they warping automatically the succeed on their saving throw, and they take no damage if they would normally take half on a successful save. Right. Most of the spells you're going to cast, Fireball, Lightning Bolt, right. are safe for half. So basically, you're, if you, you can cast area effect spells in the middle of your fighters and just say they're not going to take any damage. You're just morphing the footprint of the area effect. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just exclude those. So, so that is incredibly useful. Um, then they get a potent cantrip which uh, mo- uh, most cantrips do zero damage if the target saves. In this case, you have they to do take half. half. Yeah, which is a n- nice ability. Um, at least you're, you're making sure you're doing damage. And then um, empowered evocation. You can add your intelligence modifier to one evocation damage roll. Um, and I believe that's that, there's no limit on that. So... Um, hmm. Anytime you cast an evocation spell, you add your intelligence. It's, right. it's handy for, nice. for cantrips. Yeah. Remember, you're already doing half. Cantrips scale with level. So you get a little extra bonus on that. And then the the last one, over channel, that's, that is good for a dungeon delver. Yeah, maximum um, damage for evocation level spells, one through five. Yeah, which is pretty significant. Pretty significant. Mm-hmm. You get all the good ones in there. But you got to um, rest afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you... Um, what's the what's the uh, uh, you can use it again but you start to take damage I like I like mechanics like that yeah. I like where oh you can do it but you're gonna have to pay a little more as a DM I like to throw yeah. that kind of stuff into my campaigns mm-hmm. so they should have more of that in 5th edition unfortunately they don't yeah and then we have the illusion which you know good old school school of illusion I like yes. let me I like it better than enchantment <laughs> I think you like everything better than enchantment <laughs> probably true um but very DM dependent, right? So there is yeah, that's fair. There is a viewpoint that Minor Illusion, which is a cantrip, is actually one of the most powerful spells in the game. You can make a five by five wall anywhere you want. It takes an action to disbelieve that wall. So you're removing someone's action right there if they want to disbelieve. So yeah. I can make a wall and hide behind it and use stealth. I can theoretically block their line of sight to me so they can't affect me with certain certain spells. They know this wall just appears. They know it's an illusion because the wall just appeared. I guess they could cast a very small wall of stone, but it's unlikely. Depends um, on who you're fighting. But they they can't ignore it, so they essentially have to waste an action, at which point I can just cast another one. Now, some DMs will let you get away with that silliness. I probably will not. I will just have them run through the illusionary wall and smack you with their sword. That does not take their action. And if it turned out to be a real wall, then I'd then, give them a point of damage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but illusion can be incredibly powerful um, if your DM is sort of working with you uh, to make those work. So uh, their abilities. Dean, you want to go through that? For the, the illusion? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for the illusion. We've got the, uh, of, as you said, improved minor illusion. Well, that's improved. That's even better. Uh, right. Regular just does a visual. They can add um, oh, sound I, yes, and right, actually correct. move the image. Yeah, you get image and sound. So essentially you're projecting a video. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then your malleable illusions, you can change that illusions that last one minute or longer. Yeah. So it's a, kind of a, 
It's an improved, sustained, malleable illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a dog or a cow or something yes. like that, and it moves around. And... Illus- illu- illusory. Illusory self, which I think is pretty cool. Reaction to create an illusion to take, to take an attack. Yeah, yeah. So, again, you're adding to your durability. Yeah. I, I like the feel of this subclass. You know, it all yeah. really focuses around that sort of misdirection. Yeah. yeah. And then it finally, you know, uh, you get the payoff at the end with illusory reality. Basically, you've got uh, VR is what's happening right now, except you can feel it. Yeah, you can make something real. You can yeah. cast an illusion of a chest because you need the chest to carry the, the gold out of the dungeon. And you just concentrate for a minute, and then you have a chest. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it seemed pretty yeah. handy. All right, so now we've 14th got fourteenth is a long way. Yeah, it's a long way. You <laughs> got to survive that long. Necromancy. Yeah. I, Does anybody use that a lot? I don't run into it. You know, it's more fun to play necromancers from a clerical perspective than a wizard perspective. Yeah, I always see it as an it's an NPC class more so than it is a uh, player character class. Your your bad guy is a necromancer, or uh, you know your. That's it's definitely yeah. So uh, that's my opinion of it. Is I view grim, it, as, I view it as something you know evil. Yeah, at second level you get the grim harvest. Yeah, and that's not bad. All right, you kill uh, if you kill something with a spell, you regain hit points equal to two times a spell level or three times a spell level. It's a necromancy spell. So why wouldn't you carry around a bunch of mice and squish them? They don't. Well, <laughs> you'd have to burn spells to do it. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, a kill with a spell. Yeah. But, you gotta, I mean, here's. I have a little bit of a problem with that because a lot of times when you, you kill something, you don't need the healing, no. right? I mean, if you're a wizard and you need healing, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Good point. Right? So or no one's I, I don't you. like abilities that are contingent upon a certain condition. I like abilities mm-hmm. that I can just use, right? If it said it gave you temporary hit points, that'd be nice, right? Because then it doesn't— Then it's Something not used nearly as much as uh, it should be. Yeah, but I get them regardless. Yeah. Of whether I'm damaged or not. So that's my first problem with it. The second problem is this next ability, Undead Thralls. So I can animate a dead creature to add a skeleton or a zombie. And then there's all kinds of rules around, you know, how it attacks and everything. Anytime you're just adding creatures to the table, it's yeah. a pain in the ass. It's bad enough Especially to keep track of Especially when you're not the familiars. DM and the players are adding characters or yeah. uh, adding pieces to the table. Yeah, I actually read read uh, online comment about somebody who wanted to play a wizard that could summon a flock of ravens and have a raven familiar and then polymorph themselves into a raven. <laughs> and I think the calculation was like there would be like 22 ravens flying through the dungeon and nobody would know which one was the caster. That's fair. <laughs> Can't do anything with polymorph, though, can he? So, well, yeah. if you take a sorcerer, you can get subtle spell meta, meta magic, and depending mm. on your DM, you might still be able to cast spells. Now, the problem with polymorph is you take on the attributes of the creature, so it works fragile. better as a druid with wild shape, but then you have to be high enough level to get a raven. You could do a, a non-flying creature at a lower level. It's definitely yeah. something to be fun to play with as a player yeah. while being a nightmare for the DM. Yeah. Well, and then somebody. Which, which raven do you hit? Let's just roll right. Yeah. Whoops, wrong raven. A lot of bird feathers. And you don't get invited back to the next game. Yeah. So, um, necromancy then, again. You're just adding zombies. Yeah. Yeah. They might be handy. They might not. I mean, at least their movements are predictable. Yeah. Oh, then their right. la- next ability: resistance to necrotic, and your hit point maximum can't be reduced. 
all right, big deal. Like how many times? <laughs> how do often you does that come up? Yeah, that yeah. that's gonna matter. And then finally, fourteenth uh, level command undead control an undead within sixty feet with, with a, a saving. Save. So they get a save against it. I mean, if you're already got sort of met abilities, yeah. why are you even giving the undead a save? I guess you have to because right. there's some pretty powerful undead that. Well, you're kind of countering someone else's spell that brought the undead that raised them so none of those abilities strike me as something i go wow i really want to be able to do that unless i make the one that turns into a raven okay and then the last (laughs) of the core schools of magic transmutation yeah so in making our characters for this podcast i started with a transmutation wizard and i couldn't make it work I, i like the abilities um but i just i couldn't Think of one that was interesting to me. So let's go through the ability. So minor alchemy, you can change physical properties of one not non-magical object. That's a great role-playing ability. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I know in Critical Role, they had a character that they had a little scam going where they would take a, uh, a mat, they called it a magic bowl, and they would put a copper into the bowl, and it would change into a gold piece. And then they would sell this magic bowl to an unsuspecting, you know, dupe, and they'd be like, oh, I'll pay you three. And they goes, it can only do it once a day, but it can change a copper piece to a gold piece. We'll sell it to you for 10 gold pieces. And everybody's like, yeah, I'll do that. Well, in fact, it was just the transmutation wizard that was changing the copper to gold, which then reverts back 10 minutes or an hour later or something. Crazy. And you got a day to get out of town. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, a great role-playing ability. Um, then you got this transmuter stone, which is really a lot of rules. This is Greg would not like this class. Yeah. <laughs> So you can. I, I I did skate right over this one. I, I read the first paragraph and I went, ah, crap. And yeah, then you I went can. On. Takes eight hours. Eight to hours make. to make one of these stones. You can only have one of them at a time. But then that stone can either give you dark vision, plus 10 speed, proficiency in constitution saving throws, or resistance to acid, fire, lightning, or thunder. Um, Helpful if you know what you're going to be fighting the next day. Yeah, the dark vision is handy. The right. speed could be handy. Um, the constitution saves, eh, maybe, you know. I mean, it's nice, but it gets better later on because the next ability, uh, well, actually, the, yeah, the my, capstone ability, the next ability is uh, shape changer. You can polymorph without spell slots to transform into a beast CR1 or lower creature. CR1 or lower, nice. Yeah, and I'm not sure, again, that's like a bear, like not a not a brown bear, but a black bear. So the problem I have with that is that the polymorph spell, again, it replaces all your mental ability scores with that of the creature. You keep your alignment and your personality. So you're not casting spells. That doesn't make sense. You're a wizard who's now polymorphed. Usually the poly, the, you know, general polymorph is a druid who wades into battle and does as much damage and acts as a hit point sink for damage. Yeah. And then they poof out of it and they're back to being a druid. And they got decent armor class and they can cast spells. What's a wizard going to do as a CR one half or CR one? <laughs> Yeah, let's face it. If you manage yeah. to get to 10th level and you're a CR1, you're, you're kind of going backwards. I mean, it's handy for scouting, yeah. I guess. You yeah. could be a bird. It's more you know, you could more of a, a role-playing than a combat a fish. Uh, ability. Yeah. There right. seems to be a lot of those here. So now the the capstone ability, your, your level, what's that, 14? 14. 14. 14 ability. Um, you can consume your transmuter stone. Nom, nom, nom. And, that sounds lovely. <laughs> you know, it uses it up. And you can do a variety of things. One of it, you can transform an object into a different object. You can, like, cure everything. But the big one is you can raise dead. Yeah. yeah. That Now, raise dead normally has a component cost. You have to buy an expensive gem, like a 1,000 gold piece gem to cast that spell. I don't think you have to do that for this one. 
You just can cast raise it, and you can make one of these every eight hours. So it's raise dead for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, nice. And you can also restore youth. But I think you need to set up a store on the. I'm sure that happens a lot. On the street, put yeah. your shingle out and yeah. make I mean, some if money. You're a transmuter once a day, man. Yeah. You yeah. know? That's it, a pretty good... St- steady why income. Would you, why would you adventure? That's, that's yeah. the, the bigger question. That's right. You know, once get, you hit sit that... Sit and get fat and transmute. Um, and But you can only do it, you know, once per transmuter stone, So and, and you can only use it once per long rest. So that's sort of a cool ability, but again, is it a wizard ability? Like, the, to cure... Well, if you want to cure and raise dead, just play a cleric. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other stuff is cool. The restore youth, it subtracts years, but it doesn't actually, like, decrease your aging. It just makes you look younger. Does it restore yeah. your physical abilities of a young, as a younger person. I don't think we have uh, adjustments to... Remember physical, in first uh, yeah. edition? Yeah. yeah, age adjustments. You yeah. had to, you could, if you wanted to, roll for your age, and depending on your age, your strength may have gone up and your or your intelligence would go up and strength go down and a blah, blah, blah. A big early controversy from the early Dragon magazines were that female characters had uh, lower maximum strength. They could yes. not have an 18 strength. But they weren't compensated with any other scores. They yeah, just like said, higher and like you know. Yeah, like, no, I mean yeah. traditionally you give like okay, they get plus one dex, minus one strength or something. Yeah, you know. But they didn't do that. They just said no, they're women. They they're not as strong. Minus one, um, <laughs> and that's not go over well. Now, I granted, can't imagine back then, there weren't a lot of female D and D players. That's true. Uh, but it's still sort the of a, patrol. a sore area for. For some people, you see, still see that come up every once in a while. Yeah. I like that. Uh, the the restore youth is to a minimum uh, thirteen years is as, as far back as you can go. So you can't like you know be fighting be somebody in their twenties. You can't yeah, d- yeah turn them into a toddler, toddler and then you know spank them and say you know <laughs> I use bad smack and then they're you know that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> so blade singing, Greg. Why don't you you describe since this is sort of your is this the only one that actually has racial limitations yeah um i believe it is now the they did come out with some feats in later books that have racial limitations um but for classes i think this is the only one Hmm. yeah the interesting thing about it was uh first of all it's uh, a rare um uh, racial modifier on this which you could only you had to be an elf or a half elf you had to have some elven blood in you to run this but um yeah I i thought it was just interesting that it's a war and song and um You've got uh, it's basically a lot of hand-to-hand weapon yeah, so combat abilities. Now this is going to be funny because when we talk for about a wizard. our, our wizards, I'm going to talk about that. Mine's better, but you know I know Greg likes this one. So you get yeah. armor proficiency and light armor. Yeah, and that was that was kind of a nice bonus. And uh, I, you know I thought the thing was kind of fun. Yeah, I was just trying to suck my wife into this. I said, "Hey, character that sings for a living, uh, other than the bard, which is silly." Didn't work. So right? no, no, not at all. I, yeah. I can't get her into this. So, um, yeah, you got all kinds of uh, really cool moves. AC bonus uh, is your int mod, uh, plus 10 to your movement. Uh, you get advantage on dex checks, which uh, which is uh, always a handy yeah, thing to have. Yeah, dex checks for yeah. spells. Yeah. Uh, it's always these. Uh, I always like all these int modifiers you get with your wizards. So uh, for yeah. things that might not on their surface need an int modifier, so get your uh, your, int, your bonus to uh, conceal checks, uh, extra. Att- who doesn't want an extra attack all the time? Uh, plus one to your attack. Um, yeah, later on. Uh, Set the later on. You get the song to defense. I did not bring that book in with me. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's at the. That's the what level? The one right before your. Yeah, for, yeah, I forgot which. Uh, and I, again, which one is this one in? This is. Um, this is Sword this is, Coast. This is Sword yeah, Coast. Tenth yeah, level. That's when you get the. Uh, 
Song of Defense. Song of so. Defense, yeah. Bladeslinging uh, uses a reaction to expend a spell slot to reduce by five times the slot expended. And then, of course, your ultimate, the Song of Victory. You get your int mod to your melee damage. Yeah, which, uh, so you're basically playing. You're, yeah. It's a gish, yeah. except he sings. Yeah, you know, it's a fighter wizard. And how many of those a singing, people? A singing fighter wizard. Yes, that your song of victory. Everybody's singing. We are the champions. Yep. Yeah, and then you whack people with your sword. My now, version, is that my version's better? And there's no I, singing involved. Um, your version is better, yeah, but we'll, we'll talk you, about that. Okay. I know you, you're just getting your int modifier to that melee damage. Are you getting your proficiency bonus as well? Or no, uh, I think it's. Just in. Okay. Which it should be five. Yeah. I mean, plus five, that's not bad. You get yeah. two attacks around. I'm going to take the attack action. So it's, it's okay. It looked fun. It looked fun. I was, yeah, like I said, I was thrown by that one and the and the War Magic one next. Yeah, so the War Magic, the last one, that yeah. was the sword, uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything class. Dean yeah. likes well, that one. Well, I, w- I do like that one. And I was going to uh, read this, but I think that you must have gotten tired when you were doing these show notes because. They all had really nice notes, and then all of a sudden, this one's like, you know, abbreviated to the point where you can't, I can't quite understand well, you know what you're why? saying. Because I have a, a war wizard. Uh, well, I have sort of. So the first one, you can use your reaction to give yourself a plus two armor class or a plus four save bonus. Right. Which, which is pretty when awesome. You're hit At when second you level, save. that's pretty As cool. after yeah. you get hit. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. like a, a one-half shield that doesn't use a spell slot. Yeah, that's pretty and awesome. I can't think of... Any other abilities that give you a bonus to saving throws after the fact? Yeah. Um, well, Sorcerer can throw that D4 with mm-hmm. a reaction, but they have to spend two sorcery points. Right. There's not a lot. It's hard to modify saving throws after the fact. So yeah. that's that's pretty uber. And then well, it, there's, uh, just, there's no expense for it. That's the that's the, yeah, it's just the your trick. reaction. Yeah. yeah. And then at the tactical wit at sixth level, add. Um, Actually, that's also at second level, I believe. Oh, is that at second level really? also? Yeah. Wow. See, I can't tell your notes. They're not following the same format. I know, format. because my war was its only second level and <laughs> then has Rogue. But they anyway, add their intelligence to their initiative. And, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. That so is. that's where you're coming in and going first all the time. Yeah. Plus 15 to your yeah, initiative. Yeah, because I also have, as a human, took the alert feat. That yeah. Whole, whole deal. Right. Um, Power surge. And yeah. here's where your notes fall apart for me. <laughs> so you add half of your whiz level to force damage on a spell. And you can use that the number of times equal to your intelligence modifier per long rest. And there's those rules that making Greg go that itch. reminds me of first edition. Yeah. Yeah, he's all itchy. Makes me warm and fuzzy. Well, by the, by the time you get to that, though, you're probably yeah. getting used to all the rules. Right. Got your auxiliary page with all your notes written on yeah. so how to run your character. Then you get durable magic, plus two armor class, and on saves while concentrating. That's sort of good. I yeah, mean, that's nice. Uh, armor, the saves by itself would be decent, but the fact that you get armor class, too. And um, the yeah. final one, also yeah. sort of cool, yeah. Deflecting Shroud. Yeah. You do half your wizard level damage to three targets within 60 feet when using the arcane deflection feature. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, that was the one that gives you the bonus to your armor class or to your um, saving throw. Um, yeah. I mean, they call it war magic, but really it's a lot of defensive magic, it seems. There's a lot of, there's a lot of defense spells the, the idea and is abilities going on here. like in an army that's going to yeah. wade into battle behind the troops. That's sort of the concept behind right. the war, war yeah. magic wizard. Okay, so we've done all of this. We've gone through all of these things, and I have a question for you. This is going to lead into our little bit that we have come to know and love now in our podcast. So we've got two wizards, two of the best-known wizards in literary, yeah. uh, the literary circles. Gandalf, and Harry Potter. Gandalf the White or Gandalf the Grey? Gandalf the Ooh, White. Good okay. question. 
What kind of a wizard is he? Do, do you really want me to answer? Do, because, you know, we have a, a recording of a real-world showdown between these two wizards. Really? Yes, we do. Yeah, it was I mean, hard I don't know to if you find. guys have heard about, you know, you know about mixed martial arts, MMA, right? Right. So so there's a whole other league called MMMA, Magical Mixed Martial Arts, where nice. wizards and compete in the octagon. That's in one of those premium channels that are yeah. way too expensive yeah. for me to subscribe yeah, it's actually, to. Yeah, actually, you have to uh, subscribe to the ethereal realm. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's it's really That's a whole other dish you got well, to put up, too, Well, we did manage to get a, a copy of that, that yes. fight. So, huh. well, Okay, well, I'll, I'll put it on. Let's listen. Greetings, fight fans. Welcome back to Friday Night Fights. We are coming to you from Divers, city of sales where gold is thicker than blood. And we may have a chance to test that proverb tonight. I am Ro Jogan. I'm joined tonight by a veteran of the magical mixed martial arts ring, Elric of Melnabone. Thank you, Ro. It's great to be here. Is having an albino as a color commentator some kind of joke? No, 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 no. I assure you, we hired you for your expertise in MMMA. It was a shame they forced you out of the league after that doping scandal. Extremely unfair and still under appeal. I misplaced Stormbringer for a bit and had to return to my unique blend of herbal supplements to maintain my strength. Well, hopefully the board will find in your favor. But until then, we look forward to hearing your thoughts on this evening's Battle Royale. We have a great match lined up. Gandalf the White versus Harry Patronus Potter. I haven't fought either of these wizards. I thought about killing Harry at one point, but I am a one kill, one soul kind of guy and didn't want to chase down all his pieces. Souls should be drained with one single stroke of a demon forged blade, not collected in bits like Pokemon. Both fighters are coming off victories. Gandalf vanquished Sauron, and Harry recently took down Voldemort. Can, we can say his name now, right? He, since he's dead? I hope it's okay to say his name. That Gandalf victory was a while ago, so we may see a little bit of ring rust. Ring rust. Get it? I can be a funny guy. Yeah, you're one of the funniest, melancholic, self-loathing people I know. Rules allow Gandalf to wield his staff, but he will be fighting without his sword, Glamdring, or his trusty mount, Shadowfax. Does that put him at a disadvantage? Gandalf wants this fight to go the distance. His Balrog match took days to complete. If he makes it through the first few rounds, I expect he will start to dominate, with or without his horsey. And what about Harry? How does he look for this match? Harry is the younger of the two, which may give him a reaction time advantage. Overall, I haven't been that impressed with his fights. He lacks that killer instinct. I picked Voldemort to win the last fight, but Harry took the victory on a technicality. Well, Harry did warn him he was master of the Elder Wand. Sounds to me like Harry had some heavy plot armor in that bout. Real spellcasters don't use armor. This is it, fight fans. Harry Patronus Potter is now entering the arena. He is sporting Gryffindor colors and has chosen to use the Elder Wand for this fight. May not be the smartest move when fighting someone whose greatest accomplishment is destroying a powerful magic item. And here comes Gandalf, entering the arena carried by a giant eagle. It looks like he will fight in his traditional white robes. I missed the gray. Let's go to referee Herb Dean. 
Okay, wizards. I've already spoken to you each individually in your towers. I expect a clean fight. No casting before the bell. No disintegrations below the belt. Full body only. Try to keep area of effect spells within the ring. If you want to copy spells, do it now. Then head to your corners. Harry looks hopeful that Gandalf will share some magical knowledge, but Gandalf is having none of it. He isn't the type of wizard that shares spells. Real spells come from demonic packs, not by going to wizard school. The wizards retreat to their corners and eye each other warily. It appears Harry is consulting with Hermione on the best course of action. It could be a chance for Gandalf to do some early damage. Gandalf moves to the center of the ring and waves his staff. I see glowing sparks forming, rising into the sky. Could it be fireball? A meteor storm? They explode. Oh, wait, it's just fireworks. He is only a fifth level caster. Harry now has his wand out. He points it at Gandalf. Avada Kedavra! A death curse, a strong opener. Gandalf stiffens and falls to the canvas. Herb Dean checks for a pulse and shakes his head. The match is over. Harry Patronus Potter defeats Gandalf the White in 27 seconds. Is that a new record, Elric? Not even close. Last year, Bigby took down Harry Dresden in negative 38 years by casting Wish and wishing Dresden had never been born. Besides, in this case, Potter's victory is empty. Gandalf is Maya. He will be returning. Well, there you have it, fight fans. A quick victory by the boy who lived again. We will see you next week for our cross-planar brawl between Bigby and Raceland. Any predictions on who will win that match, Elric? I expect Bigby will have the upper hand. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, I was wow. surprised. Yeah, I was surprised. Know, not a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> I'm not either. I think he was cheated. Yeah. 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 But he, he, I think, I think Elric was right. He should have killed him first. You know, yeah. Just taking him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I did like the ring rust comment. Though. Yeah. You know, yeah. people didn't catch uh, that. So, I've always been an Elric fan. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff you can do with Wizard. You can go into the entertainment circuit, apparently, <laughs> and uh, fight for money, so. which is really what adventurers do anyway. Yeah. Murder hobos. All right, so we've impressed you all now with our knowledge of wizards. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, <laughs> and we kind of set upon ourselves a task of coming up with wizards. An interesting wizard. An interesting wizard. And apparently... Oh, you didn't tell me that part. (laughs) Greg's the only one who actually did the homework. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I tried. In all fairness, I tried. But my problem is that any wizard I found interesting, I already have made. Exactly. And that's what I've done, too. You guys have resources to draw upon. I did not. So, Greg, go ahead and briefly tell us about your... Semi-interesting wizard? I don't even know if I would go that far. He's, uh, I, I, am, I have uh, engaged in a lot of cliches. Um, is he Tim from Monty Tim, Python? He is not. No, I didn't he go there. Enchanter. I tried to do some things I don't normally do. Um, number one, he's a gnome. I have Uh-oh. never done. Is he an illusionist? He is not an oh, illusionist. See, that would have been bonus points from my side yeah. if he was an illusionist. Well, but. yeah, and I had read that in the books, and you had pointed that out, so I steadfastly was not going to go illusionist. Because okay. he hates you. Um, Minus one. So, yeah. So I didn't didn't want to go. He is actually an evocation wizard. Um, another minus one. Yeah. So uh, neutral good, not too stressful. You know what I, but, uh, you know what I, I have call that. That's the cop out alignment. That's kind of I call well, it nasty girl. Well, That's I was reading around, and it wasn't necessarily one, but he's you know he's 
You're like, yeah, I want to be good, but I'm not really good. Not really that's that much into being good, so I'll be neutral good. Player's Handbook did say many, if not most, gnomes tended to be neutral good, so I decided to uh, defer to the wisdom of the Player Handbook. Uh, A lot of times I deferred to the wisdom of the Player Handbook here, but uh, this is the first time I've ever played a uh, person of reduced stature. I've never been a a halfling. I've never been a gnome. I've never been a dwarf. I, I, I tend to play tall people. So, uh, so we went. Uh, his name is Warren. Uh, what? Uh, yep, Warren. War, Warren Peace. Yeah, you know, I, I had, that did run across my mind. Warren. Uh, Warren Robner Anastasia Dergal. Warren. Um, oh, gnomes tend to have a lot of that. names. Yeah, that's good. Name. And one of his names he stole. Um, I had him. He's got backstory. Don't have a lot of stats. Have backstory. Um, of course he does. Uh, of course I do. Uh, he is. A, he is a forest gnome. Uh, from an area that was heavily uh, in with um, uh, elves of a similar nature. Uh, his uh, village had been set upon and uh, mostly destroyed, and he was the sole survivor of his people when he was a very small gnome, which is a disturbing thought. Call he's the probably Blue just about little. the sole survivor. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, good song. Go. That is a good song. And he um, uh, was taken in by uh, Reardon Amastasia, which was an elf wizard uh, who, you know, uh, did most of his uh, study in the control of the elements and stuff, which is why he went evocation. So he wasn't necessarily. I did. I did go. Um, I did go sage. I kind of was just. I wanted, was wanting to make him sort of. I, I'm in my head. The elf wizard was sort of the wizard from Fantasia. And my guy is the little Mickey Mouse dude following him around, helping him because the elf just couldn't leave this pathetic well, little Was that the one gnome. with the little broomsticks? Yes. Yep, well, you should hope. have been transmutation then. You could have, like, well, made little broomsticks. But, you know, transmutation. When I read what it does, I was like, eh, yeah, okay. so. And I, I wanted to do cool things, so yeah, that's that's kind of why I went evocation. Adventuring I wanted, I, I'm, pl- I, I'm planning on following through on this and turning him into an Adventures League character, so I needed to make him useful in a group of people I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, that's important. Um, yeah, yeah, didn't, uh, went with some pretty, uh, pretty standard gnome stuff. Um, uh, nice thing about gnomes, well, you get your uh, you get your plus two to your int. So that was a that was a deal yeah. maker for me right there, um, and you get minor illusion right off the get go uh, as a racial ability as a forest gnome. So didn't have to buy that. So I ended up with four cantrips instead of three. So that was kind of fun, and um, didn't get su- I you know there were some spells I wanted to get because it made more sense with the character. But then I'm thinking, yeah, I'm sitting at a table with a bunch of people I don't know. I should probably pick like burning hands and magic missile. Yeah. As well as uh, the obligatory mage armor, and uh, and I went with sleep because uh, little sleep guy, good little, at lower levels, little, yep. little guy with a high dex, so he'll he'll be a good stealther, um, and so he can go throw some people to sleep, let the group do their thing, and then if things go south, he can uh, you know lay on some burning hands or chuck some magic missiles. So uh, right. you know he's first level, doesn't do a whole lot. But uh, I, I was gonna perhaps, perhaps not make him especially annoying, but make him really needy, <laughs> which, which is especially annoying. Yes. But, okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that is uh, that is Warren, which uh, his initials, by the way, spell rad with a W. <laughs> w R A D. Oh my God, Did Greg. I- 
I want He has self-esteem issues. I want to beat you up so bad. I want to beat your character up so bad. Ah, well, you know, I'll just throw up some minor illusions and lay on some burning hands. I guess so. Well, he is first level, All though, right. so he's got, what, about two hit points. Yeah. So. All right, so mine is so, a... Uh, the, let's have a Dean. Yeah, mine's a reincarnation of my first first edition uh, wizard. We I've talked about him yeah. before. Uh, Eric Hilzamilar, who uh, comes from this uh, island country where magic is used by just about everybody. I mean, it's almost like a magic... If you're not a magic user, there's something wrong with you. It's a birth defect, almost. Um, and in my time playing first edition, got up to 16th level. So it was kind of hard to do this because I had to pop everything to 16th level. And then, of course, D&D Beyond, which we talked about last time, did all the nice stuff for me. And I picked War, Mag- War Magic as my school of training and all that kind of good stuff. And it kind of came off uh, pretty good. I am running him, or I should say I ran him, as probably more chaotic neutral than anything else in terms of alignment because he was just a mean son of a bitch. He just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it was about me when I was 11, 12, 13, and on through my time, you know, as a kid playing first edition. I just wanted to blow stuff up and kill things, which well, is what I was going to say. Has that really changed? Not, I don't know. I'm not uh, talking about in the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Eric Hill has, he's got all the stuff that a war mage would, and he's got lots of, I took feats instead of ability modifiers yeah. instead. So that those things would... They do differentiate a character yes. a lot more than just taking the ability score increases. Right. So those feats I took, um, some of the feats that I took, because at that level you can do that, and I've got to find these things. Um, oh, my gosh. Where were they? Lucky. Oh, uh, yeah. That's uh, another... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Metagame feat. Yeah. yeah. Keen Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a real role play kind of I know. And, <laughs> and that was part of it, yeah. Not that that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, observant. Yeah, observant. So a lot of things that increased also my intelligence or wisdom yeah, and things like that. Line, so it kind of, it was like twofold yeah. in that sense. Uh, and then I picked, just for the hell of it, because he's a mean, as I said, a real mean son of a gun, Dragon Fear. Dragon Fear. <laughs> yes. Why? I don't know. I just picked it. You know? I don't know Isn't that, that one. limited to uh, Dragonborn? Uh, oh, you know what? I may not, I may have missed that, but it didn't I say it. it. I think it might Did be. it? I didn't even see it in there. I didn't see that. Anyhow, I'll have to go back and change that. But you know what the hell? Maybe he's got a little bit of dragon blood in it. Uh, I, think it's, I don't think it's in the player's handbook. Oh, it's, no, it's, yeah, it's no, in Xanathar's guide. It's in Xanathar's yeah, so I have to go back and change that. But anyway, I was, it was actually really kind of cool to try to recreate. I didn't have the papers that I had before. Oh, you know what? I, not that this relates to anything, except <laughs> I just learned it. Yeah, I've been playing D&D for 30-some-odd years. In 5th edition, if you have a spell that does not target a creature the point of the targeting and if you're playing on a grid has to be at the intersection of the grid lines did not realize that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah it does makes things easier but just a random factoid <laughs> okay so it's a dm's guide trivia is bizarre uh, page 251 if anybody wants to look okay. it up all right eric i'm Let's... disturbed that you okay. have that memorized yeah um <laughs> So he didn't. He had his phone out. I know. So no, that's that's my character. I did. Yeah. I did have him memorized. She's uh, <laughs> selling me short here. Come on, I'm a DM. <laughs> um, so maybe we've mentioned before. I like to min max. No, okay? that now, has not really? come up at all. I'm, not I'm shocked. And so we we talked about that Blade Singer. Silly, yeah. in my opinion. Okay. 
Could be fine, because though. But my you character, picked it anyway. My character is named Grim. I usually play, like, sort of happier characters. But this guy, his personality trait, Grim isn't just my name. It's my outlook on life. Yeah, he's come up before. Right. And his ideal is we all die sometime, but I'll do my best to prolong that outcome. So he's already a fatalist. And his flaw is death is always common, usually random, and the fate of us all. So he wow. basically assumes everybody's going to die. He needs to be in a party with my okay. gnome. <laughs> yeah, so I play him, if you if watch Game of Thrones and The Hound. Yeah. He's sort okay. of like The Hound, okay? So okay. first thing I have to do when I sit down at the table is I go, does anybody have a problem with profanity? Because he <laughs> swears a lot. And I don't use the C word, but I drop the F-bomb a lot with this character, hmm. right? So here's the thing. He has a mercenary background, so he's a mercenary spellcaster. I took two <laughs> levels in Tempest Cleric first, okay? And that gets me a couple things. gets me heavy armor proficiency, which is really nice. It also gets me an ability if somebody hits me, I can sort of shock them back for 2d8 lightning or half on a save. The best thing, though, is I can maximize lightning damage once per long rest, <laughs> So I t pick up my two levels as a cleric, then I jump over to an abjuration wizard. Now I have my arcane ward that I can keep on myself or I can project to protect my allies eventually. Right? I have spell slots that I can use like healing word because I remember I have cleric. So one of my favorite things to do is when a party member, like I'm in the front line in plate mail wielding a flaming longsword, and somebody drops, and I'll cast Healing Word with my bonus action, take my normal melee attack with my sword, and say, get your lame ass up off the floor and do something. <laughs> Usually it's <laughs> nice. a little more flowerful than that. Um, and he just sort of does that as an aside. <laughs> he hates casting spells. He wants to be yeah. in toe-to-toe. -to -toe. So, like, if he has a preference, he'll he'll cast haste on himself so he can get the extra attack. Does he maybe have a light death wish, perhaps? A little uh, bit. Yeah. Um, he has, like, no fear, but he can also, like, DMs are challenged by this character because hmm. he can counterspell. Remember, like, right now I'm 13th level. I'm an 11th level wizard with some, you know, a, what's a... Armor class for plate and just regular plate mail. Um, but then I can cast a shield, right, and give myself five more to my armor class. So he's hard to hit. If I do get hit, I can shock the creatures that hit me. I can counterspell as a reaction. If a wizard tries to cast a spell, I can misty step over to that wizard and <laughs> oh, put the smack down on him. And I can bonus cast healing on any party members that happen to fall in battle that are within 60 feet. So he's really like an all-around guy. He's got the armor class. He's got the physical attacks. He's got the healing. He's got the nice. wizard magic. Nice. He, and he's a lot of fun to play because he's got a crappy attitude. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So that's yeah. that's my wizard. And oh, and he hardly ever takes damage because that abjuration shield yeah. gives him a set what are essentially temporary hit points, but they're not really. It's a it's sort of this weird thing. Um, and during a short rest, if everybody is casting. Um, or resting for healing. Normally he doesn't need healing because it's only come off his shield. I can cast alarm spell six times <laughs> during a short rest to recharge my shield through ritual casting so I don't use spell slots. 
dang, he's got it all figured out. But yeah. yet he couldn't remember what armor class was, or plate mail armor You know class. what? I'm thinking it's two, because I'm still in the first edition mindset. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I, I think this is a backwards segue into our future multi-classing podcast that Eric is going to that, have to be I running. I think that'll be the last one. We do I, need to do one on alignments, though. I realize Yeah, we that, do need to do that, um, yes. While we were talking about neutral good. Yeah. But uh, that's for another time. That's yeah. right. And I do think that we have finally exhausted not only our own knowledge, but and ourselves, our, and ourselves, <laughs> and the possible listening ability of. Oh our, wait! Oh. And he casts lightning bolt once a day and maximizes the damage. <laughs> and he, of Shit. course, he always casts it at the highest spell level. There's always one more. Yes, oh, which is a lot of damage. I, I bet. Imagine. Yeah, it's like okay. take sixty. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. <sighs> fine listeners uh greg take us out in case anybody wants to comment if they have anything they could comment on or or add to that which it's oh maybe comment yes add no but uh you've got something to say about eric's min maxing uh you can get a hold of us on facebook where we are the grognards we also have a twitter account uh that we visit once a month or so at t grognards and on instagram we are the underscore grognards and of course if you like sending emails, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. And if anybody wants another class to come up sooner, let us know. We we sort of have a rough order, but we're not not tied yeah, to we're it. Not, yeah, we're not. I know we've already flipped a couple of them around. And, yep. Uh, All right. So uh, with that being said, for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. <laughs>